Just now we welcome Paul as he comes to speak to us from God's word. Once again, let me say it's a privilege to be with you here today. Whether you share that sense of privilege, I don't know. Probably not. Before I sort of uh, got the idea of mission into my head, I used to dread missionary speakers coming in church or wherever. Because here's yet another man going to come and hector and bully us and fill us full of guilt about mission. I promise you where I will. I'm going to try not to hector or bully anybody today. Really what I want us to do is try to just delve into this piece of scripture and let let it challenge us. And really in, in two areas. It's not a a typical missionary passage, this, this part of Matthew. But it really points out two things to us. I think it points out, first of all, the need for a correct perspective on mission. And secondly, it teaches us the need for correct action on mission. Jesus was coming to Jerusalem. And Peter, of course, is with him. And Peter, as we know, is sometimes an impetuous and also slow on the the uptake. So when Jesus speaks of his death, Peter is horrified. Now, of course, Peter's motives are good. He doesn't want his beloved Jesus to, to die. Of course not. But Jesus rebukes him. And he rebukes him because Peter doesn't have the right perspective. He's looking at Jesus's death with very human eyes. And what Peter has failed to grasp is, of course, that the cross of Jesus Christ is, in a huge way, the supreme act of a missionary God. When we look back into the Old Testament, and we look just at a couple of things, I'm not going to go at the whole Old Testament, because it is 5 to 12, and we want to be home by 4. Just think of two covenants, the Abrahamic covenant and the Mosaic covenant. In the Abrahamic covenant, God promises that through one of the the descendants of Abraham, blessing would come to all the nations. And in the covenant with Moses, God says that the, the people of Israel were going to be a light unto the nations, that Israel would, would light up the world. And these things come to their fruition at the cross because it it is the Lord Jesus Christ, the descendant of Abraham, who then brings blessing to all the nations through the power of the cross. It is the Lord Jesus Christ who, in establishing his church, creates a new Israel, a new Israel that would spread across the entire globe and bring blessing to those nations. 
It was the Lord Jesus Christ at the cross and ushering in a new covenant that was going to change people totally and forever. So that's why the cross is actually at the center of all that we do in mission. It is the symbol of God's love for his world. That God loved the world so much that he would send his only begotten son to die. And to die for a world that, well, for people who were yet his enemies, as Romans 5 tells us. This is what we have to understand. That God is a missionary God. You know, God doesn't have to have anything to do with us at all. We who are sinful creatures cannot add anything to God. We cannot make him more majestic. We cannot make him more powerful. We cannot make him more wonderful. And indeed, in his perfection, we wonder why indeed he would have anything to do with sinful and fallen humanity. But in his love, he reaches out. He calls to himself a people, and he gives that people a task. And that is to make his glory known in all the world. So, we serve a missionary God, whose love for us knows no bounds. And that's the perspective that we must try to adopt. We as Christians are called upon to, to seek to model ourselves after our Heavenly Father and our Lord Jesus Christ. We should seek to have that same love and compassion for the world. We should seek to have that, that Christ-like desire to reach out even to those who may, on the face of it, seem to be our enemies. Those of us who are, or those who are so different from us, perhaps, in culture or race or whatever. Yes, it's counterintuitive because human beings being what they are, we, we want to remain within our own safe little space, with our own little bubble, surrounded by what is familiar and comfortable, doing good to those who do good to us, the people that we know and we love. It is counterintuitive to want to reach out in love to those who are strangers and those who are aliens. But that is what God has done for us. It is what God expects us to do in this world. And of course there are massive consequences. Oh, there was a wonderful hymn that we sung just there before the sermon. Couldn't have asked for a better, better hymn. Because it reminds us so powerfully that there are eternal consequences for the world if we do not do this. Paul says, how can they, they hear this good news if there is no preacher? And if there is no preacher to go to this lost and perishing world, it remains lost and perishing. The world needs to hear the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. But will we go? That is the question. And that then really brings me then to the second issue. I promised I wasn't going to be too, too long. Having got the right perspective 
and perceive that God is a missionary God, we have to ask, well, what is our response? And unfortunately, for many of us, the response is purely intellectual. We give our mental assent to this particular perspective. We say, yes, this is right, this is biblical teaching. Yes, God is a missionary God, missionary work is wonderful work, uh, more, should, more of it should be going on. Mm -hmm. But that's as far as it goes. And that then brings us then a little bit farther down this passage in Matthew because Jesus says, whoever wants to save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life for me will find it. If you're going to come after me, you have to pick up your cross. Deny yourself and follow me. I'm sure the disciples were a bit confused by this because this was prior to the, to the cross. Maybe they wondered just what he was talking about. But of course, it all became very clear later. Jesus was prepared to sacrifice himself in obedience to the Father's will in order to bring blessing to the whole world. He says to us, you too must be ready to sacrifice in the service of God. For many of us, the coming to Jesus is the easy part. We're very happy to have the blessings of knowing Christ in our lives. We're very happy to, to know that we have security and salvation in the Lord. But we're much less comfortable than when he asks us to go and do things that are risky. But God in Christ calls upon us to be risk takers. See, I don't see myself here as a bully today. I'm not hectoring you. I see my position in Mission Africa to urge people to become risk takers for Christ. But of course, again, this is counterintuitive. It is countercultural. Within our own Western society at the present time, there is this whole health and safety ethos. Often at work, I think that our health and safety officer would have me do my mission work in a hard hat and a pair of steel boots. Because everybody is so risk adverse. Risk is seen as a terrible thing. It must be eradicated at all costs. But that is not God's perspective. We should be prepared and ready to do whatever Christ calls upon us to do. And sometimes that means going. Responding to a call very much like Abraham's call to go into the world and be a blessing to others. And that's not necessarily a comfortable call. Far from it. It can mean giving up friends and family. And of course it can mean up giving possessions and wealth and job security. That's what God calls upon us to do. 
When I'm in Africa, particularly West Africa, sometimes we meet people who have been converted out of uh, paganism to Christianity. And last year I had a wonderful experience of being able to go with a man into his house and physically removing the idols that he worshipped and bringing them to a bonfire and destroying them and watching them turn into smoke and dust and be carried away in the wind. And there, there are actually words in Isaiah to that effect where God says, I'm going to turn your idols into so much dust. We in the West have our idols and Regrettably, many of these idols have made their way into the church. And although, again, we make mental assent or pay lip service to the service of Jesus Christ, very often it is the case that pleasure and wealth and security dethrone Christ in our lives. And we cease to actually worship him as king. And I think what Christ is saying to us is that we need to dethrone these other things and replace him in his proper place. And when we do, we will be truly ready to go into the world and do what he calls us to do. The two men, I, I feel like I know them, but they were actually dead long before I was born. But they were my predecessors at Kikuyu Mission Station in East Africa. And you won't have heard of them, because they gave up glittering careers in the United Kingdom to go and serve very humbly in East Africa. Kerry Francis. Kerry Francis was one of the most brilliant mathematicians of his generation. Fantastic career lay ahead of him in Oxford. He went off and he was a school teacher in East Africa for 40 years. He died in the classroom. John Arthur had a wonderful medical career ahead of him in Glasgow. Could have risen to the heights of the profession of surgeons, but he gave it all up when he served for over 40 years in East Africa. And together they established a real beacon of the gospel there in East Africa. And they gave up wonderful careers and security and safety and wealth in order to serve their Lord and Master. Those are the sort of people that we should seek to be. The, the preacher John Piper has a lovely little pithy aphorism. He says, mission can be summed up really in three words. One, go. Or two, if you can't go, send. Your other option is three, disobey. And what he means there is that whenever we look at Christ's commands to us, when we look at the Great Commission, when we look at the, the small print, there is no small print. There's no small print saying the following categories of Christian are exempted. Not one of us who calls upon the name of the Lord Jesus Christ is exempted in our responsibilities to Christ. And he is saying to us, go. And all of us have to go in one way or another. 
Now, for some, that going will be doing mission work within your own sphere, whether it's your family or your street, your place of work, whatever. For some, it will be a call to overseas missions. But all of us need to be actively engaged in spreading the gospel of Christ. But sending, not everybody, like I say, is called to overseas mission, but all of us can participate in the sending of missionaries. And we send in two ways. Many people just think in terms of giving. And giving's essential because we, we can't keep missionaries on the field without money. But do you know what's really important is praying. And I know, again, this maybe sounds crazy, but I'm going to say this. Praying is more important than money. Because mission proceeds under the sovereign power of God. And if God's blessing is not in mission, then it will fail. And it's wonderful that you've got those little yellow sheets. Because I really would want you to pray for those eight missionaries. Or the eight mission organizations. You can be senders by developing a strong and positive prayer ministry for missionaries here. But please, I beg you, don't be disobeyers. There is no blessing in disobedience. There is no blessing in removing that cross and setting it aside. So that's just to directly contradict what the Lord would have us do. I could talk for hours today, but you don't want that. I've experienced tremendous blessing myself over these nearly 20 years now of being engaged in mission in Africa. The world is the Lord's. And day after day we see him doing marvelous and wonderful things. We see people from most staunch Muslim backgrounds coming to vibrant saving faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. We see people putting aside their idols and serving Christ in their own generation. We see people coming out of all kinds of, of darkness and wickedness and serving Christ. We see the, the hungry fed and the naked clothed and the ignorant taught. We see God doing things beyond our description and our ability to find the words to express how marvelous these things are. But the point is this. God expects us to act as his hands and feet in mission. And if we are not prepared to do it, we are disobedient and we are frustrating the plans of God. Some missionary commentators make the point that God always calls enough missionaries in a generation to see to the needs of the world. But because of a lack of obedience, sometimes those needs are not met. Today, I'm not here to bully you. I'll say that again. 
But what I am here today is to ask you to, to look into your own heart because I can't see into your heart. But each and every one of us needs to examine ourselves before God and to see what the Lord is saying to us in regard to mission. And to really examine ourselves harshly, perhaps, in the light of what Scripture teaches and say, are we actually fulfilling the commands of Scripture? Are we denying ourselves the blessings that God wants to pour out upon us? Are we denying others the blessings that he wants to pour out upon them? I know that if you look into your hearts, the Lord will speak to you. And it will become much clearer to you how you should respond to Christ in this matter. We as an organization exist to help people fulfill that call. There are 109 other mission agencies in Northern Ireland who also seek to help people fulfill the call of God upon their lives. And you say, I'm not here today to recruit for Mission Africa. Not at all. But what I am here to do is to urge people to take their responsibility in mission seriously. I trust that God will be moving here in a very powerful way in the, the weeks and the months to come. And that you will be filled with a real vision and a love for mission. And I trust that God will empower you as a congregation to really be a, a sending congregation. Another mission commentator has summed it up very well, I think. You, you do not judge a church by its seating capacity. You judge a church by its sending capacity. And I believe that God is, is moving here, encouraging you as a body of believers to be a truly strong, sending congregation. Let's pray. Oh God, our Father, we rejoice that you are not a God who is afar off, but rather in your love and your goodness, you come to us, you reach out to us with compassion and saving power. And we give you thanks for the cross of Jesus Christ. Oh God, without it we would be as nothing. We pray, Lord God, that you would give us the strength of will and purpose to go into this world and proclaim that, that cross and that risen Savior. And we pray that we who have already benefited so much from Christ would go and be a blessing to others and share that good news with them. And Lord, I pray for this body of believers in particular, for this congregation here at Kirkpatrick. We ask, Lord God, that you would send your spirit here to stir up a, a great passion for mission. Lord God, be moving in people's hearts. We ask, Lord God, that you would make your purposes clear for the greater glory of Jesus Christ. Amen.